When you hear the generic trip-hop music, that's how you know it's Kingpill time. Mm. <clears throat> Hello, everyone. Hello, Xavier. Good to see you, my friend. Mm. Xavier and I got totally shit-faced last night. Really? No, we only had like one beer. <laughs> I was going to say, that doesn't sound like you guys. <laughs> What's up, people? Hello, five concurrent viewers. We were talking about what time we should go live today because we we started talking again and realized oh man we've got more to talk about this is great i'll just do another show today and so then we were discussing going back and forth between well plans for the evening for the holiday you know people have lives so is it more likely that we get more people today because people are like in holiday mode or is it more likely that we get fewer people today because people are in holiday mode we'll find out you guys can find out with us if you come on this ride all right let's get my windows all in the proper places <clears throat> i actually wrote out a i don't know what you what you would call this like a a syllabus like a little timeline things we want to talk about today shut up kyle no one likes you all right messages let me open this tweet that you sent me earlier because we're going to talk about it and then i need to find one other tweet that we're also going to talk about we prepare for these shows yeah we do we're ready to go Right well, you see, time. the problem is, the problem is, I was trying to come up with the, the title for the show, and I was struggling. I was in a, I was in a pickle. Yeah, I this was one's not very good. Really struggling, and I couldn't come up with exactly what I wanted to call it. And I needed my partner in crime to help me out. I was. So I sent him a text, and I said, trying to come up with the title. Here are some different ideas, and I sent him all these different ideas, and I heard nothing. Nothing back. I was left alone and I didn't, isolated dude, I didn't to fend get, for myself. I didn't get the notification. I just now see this. Likely story. Likely. Uh, Red Caesar isn't coming to save you. Would have been better. Yeah. Well, oh well. Because I think that was probably the one that I was going to go for. But then I was thinking, well, we just coined this new term yesterday. So we should... We should emphasize this term. We should get that into the title somehow. So I, I kind of shoot week, more. I'm going to hate it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. People are going to attribute it to us. And we're going to be like, no, no, please, no. Don't talk to us about that. <laughs> I regret it all. <laughs> uh, but, of course, for me, all my good ideas, or all of my ideas, came from Cooper. And uh, so yeah. it's just Cooper's fault. Uh, okay, so let me see. I'm trying to find this particular. So we were we were sitting talking to each other, coming up with other people who we would categorize as. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Turn the music off. Oh, sorry. It. I forgot the music is going. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Ooh, 
fade out. Okay. No more music. Uh, so we were, we were sitting here talking about, uh, Gunix and other coming up with other, other examples. Um, cause you know, we had a call to action last night. We said, Hey guys, why don't you send us examples of people being Gunix? And we're here. It's literally another day. And I haven't gotten a single message from someone, not a single one of you. How lazy are you? We gave you an explicit call to action. It'd be so easy. Just go out and find one. Just, just, just point them out, tag them, send it to me. Say, hey, look, here's someone being a gunic. You don't even have to send it to me. You can just tag me in it. Real King Pill on Twitter. It's very easy. So simple. But no, 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 our audience, our audience just doesn't listen to us. Maybe they're not really smart. So we that's that's why we're doing this stream is to give you a better example, like a more concrete example of what we're talking about. So you know what to look for. Maybe yesterday was a bit too abstract for you, but today we're really bringing it down to the, to the pen and paper. So you're saying that that today's episode is for the slow boys. Yeah. This one, nice. Xavier, Kyle, especially Kyle, this one's for you. <laughs> what was the what was the brand of the, the product that had that as a catchphrase? This one's for you. Which who was that? Oh, I can't so remember. Uh, Let's look this up. This one is for you. That seems like something a random username would know. Oh no. Ugh. Well, this one is for you. Googling that doesn't do anything for you because you get weird words I can't pronounce. Uh Young City, Y U N G, Young City. Um David Guetta. These are oh, I hate this I cannot take that entire cultural milieu. Have you seen the the video of David Guetta after George Floyd when he had like his thing about like this he made like his mix that goes out to George Floyd and all of his family. And he like does this really awkward build up to it. And then does like the beat drop over. It was like a clip of Martin Luther King's. I have a dream speech or something like that. And he's like, he's like, Ugh. this, this goes out to George Floyd and all of his family. Sh shout out to all of you. And then starts playing this Martin Luther King. And he's just like, just DJing it up to it is the most ham handed cringe thing that's been produced. It's it, like, that's the sort of thing that like you see that happening. And all of a sudden all of the less ham handed, but equally cringy manifestations of this fake culture thing in society. That's it like, really stands out at you. It's just like glaring you in the face that this whole fucking thing is fake. This is all fake. And game. That would be really funny if it was like, intentionally ironic or something right yeah like that would be the, the zoomer thing that you do that and it's intentionally ironic no it was being completely serious uh coca-cola that's what we were trying to trying to think of coca-cola this one's for you um david okay. Guedes. Is he a singer? he's a singer yeah right? no no he's a he's a dj he's kind of he's like uh yeah he's sort of like um i can't think of like um uh avici sort of along the same sort of lines oh, okay cool similar kind of music um yeah look it up it's i think let me, let me just double check this while we're on it so david get a uh george it's one that like like died in the wool regime libs will 
point out is like, look how fucking cringy and awkward and uncomfortable this is. Look at how completely transparently commercialized and fake this is. That's how bad it was. It was so over the top that even the people who live in this culture, like this culture is theirs. Even they were like, oh, that's that's beyond the pale. Yeah, look up uh, David Guetta. It's spelled G-U-E-T-T-A. Tribute to George Floyd. I don't think um, I will. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, random username mentioned something rather interesting, which I'm sure maybe we won't talk about it today, but we'll talk about it at some point. All right, this seems to uh, track with the things we've been talking about. Another, quote, extreme right wing won Netherlands today. He visited Israel 40 times over the last 25 years. <laughs> What's up with that? Argentina, huh. Netherlands. What's going on? Huh. Interesting. It's that almost like it's almost like there's a um it's almost like there's a there's there's some sort of sentiment underneath the surface that's manifesting in this sort of dynamic. Uh all right. I can't find the freaking thing I was trying to look for. Um but uh oh here it is. Finally. I found it. I didn't find the actual tweet itself, but this will do. So when we're we're talking about Gunics, uh I just quick quick setup for this, I guess. So so Gunik is a is a term, a neologism that we we uh um conceived yesterday on the show. If you're coming upon this later on, you can go back and you can listen to our last show where we talked about it in detail and we gave, gave an example of a particular Gunik and why um at least in that instance he's functioning um in the role of a Gunik. And so today Gunik we've is, got your Gunik report. Yes, yes. So this is this is going to be your Gunik report. We were we were thinking of an example for the Gunik report. And so Gunner Gunik is a is ultimately it's a portmanteau between Gunner and Eunuch. So Gunner Eunuch. We want to we want to define more precisely what this is. So as we're thinking of examples, we're thinking of ways to actually tighten the term up a little bit so you know how to use it effectively. Because it's a specific phenomenon that we want to be able to talk about. So we have to take a mouth sound and attach it to the phenomenon. So we want to make sure that you guys are, now that you know the mouth sound, we want to make sure you guys are attaching it to the correct phenomenon so that we all know that we're talking about the same thing. So a gunic is not someone who's simply gay. Simply being gay, is it does not qualify you for being a gunic. For example, someone who is simply gay but not a gunic is <laughs> this person right here. Um, and I don't mean I don't mean uh, academic agent. We like academic agent. Um, I'm talking about this goofball in the middle, James Lindsay. So he has this tweet that went around and everybody was freaking out about it the other day. And this is just the most recent one. I'm just pulling it up as an example. But Nazism is the right hand of the left. Hamas is the right hand of the left. Christian nationalism is the right hand of the left. Post-liberal distributism is the right hand of the left. This this, this is just gay. This isn't being a, a gunic. This is being simply just being transparently gay. I think I think what James Lindsay is is kind of a wannabe gunic. He's almost like he's 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 trying to get himself upgraded to gunic, but he's so bad at it because he just kind of isn't one it's that he just comes off as gay. What's that? I said he's too lib. Yeah, yeah, he's just he likes transparently the enlightenment and stuff, you know. Yeah, enlightenment. yeah. <laughs> Who needs that? So, a gunic is a an evolution of liberalism beyond this point. 
this this is just kind of like I don't know generic '90s liberalism or something is what he's is is the the James Lindsay shtick. Um, a a gunic specifically is a crypto. I will myth. give I will give James Lindsay a little bit of credit that he actually has read. He's at least read. Yeah, yeah, right winger stuff. Right, he knows yeah. what he's talking about. Yeah, and a lot of his analysis on it is really good. Like, I learned a lot of the Frankfurt School stuff I've learned that I've since gone and verified. I was like, okay, yeah, he's, this guy this guy knew what he's talking about. He's, he's, he's good at this. Part of the reason why he's so good at it is because it's his world. Like, this is his milieu. You'll notice that every time he talks about any of this stuff, he's always giving the perspective from the left. He's always describing the perspective, the view of the world from the perspective of the left. Sometimes he's describing the left, but he has the, 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 um, like he's describing the left to the left, critiquing the left that they're lefting wrong. That's his, his entire, uh, 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 persona. And he doesn't qualify as a gunic because specifically one of the particular traits that picks out a gunic, the way that we're using the term is a crypto lib. So someone who actually sees themselves as having, um, escaped the liberal dialectic. They see themselves as having withdrawn themselves from it. They're fully like woke to the to the system, to the to the matrix. They're the ones who see it now, and they see themselves as right wing, explicitly yep. right wing. Yep. They don't hem and haw around neither left nor right libertarian bullshit. They they advertise themselves and maybe even directly see themselves as explicitly right wing. That they're like the furthest fringe of the right wing that you can go. This is the, this is the, the gunic, this is core to the gunic psychology. So it's someone who fits that bill, but actually, if you unpack and investigate their perspective, you realize that they haven't pulled themselves out of that liberal dialectic. They're still operating within it. And the, the, the calling card for it really is nihilism. And that's what we're going to get into here today. Yep. So, um, so James Lindsay is an example of someone who is not a gunic could be could be confused for a gunic because he does give off big gunner and uh, eunuch energies. He does give those energies off quite a bit, but he doesn't qualify as a gunic. He could be a gunner, he could be a eunuch, but he can't be a gunic because he doesn't have he doesn't have that crypto lib um, uh, essence to him. Essence, I mean, in the terms of like ascent, not in terms of like Aristotelian. Um, okay. So let me, let me refer back to my, to my, uh, my, uh, show planner here that I put together make sure I'm hitting all the right points. Uh, I am. So we're talking this about is, our favorite Gunic today. Yes, we are actually for the, for the Gunic report. It turns out we didn't plan on this. This isn't intentional. We're actually probably not going to talk about him like this again, because we don't want to, to, we don't want to fully seem like reply guys here. I mean, we're kind of being reply guys, but we don't want to like really lean into the identity. Um, but our good friend zero HP Lovecraft is returning to the show. <laughs> now today we're actually going to, as our good friend, uh, uh, Jason from the two bit podcast, as he likes to say, we're actually going to shine his shoes a little bit here because we're going to go through this tweet that he put out a few days ago that Cooper, uh, uh brought to my attention and he makes some really interesting points. This is actually a really profound, fascinating analysis that is like 99.5% correct. The problem is 
that 0.5% is really, really important and fundamental. This is kind of like the analogy of the, of the, the, the dog shit and the brownies, like having just a tiny little bit of dog shit in your brownies, you still have dog shit in your brownies. It doesn't change the fact <laughs> that, that it doesn't make them brownies. They're, they're brownies with dog shit, which is a whole different category than brownies. This, this is part of the, what it is to be a gunic. You seem you like, it's like a great big brownie, like sheet of brownies. This is amazing. It looks, it looks exactly like the thing I want to see. I want to see a based right-wing guy out proclaiming my right-wing message. And it just happens to have just a little bit of, of, of dog shit that spread throughout it. Oh, hey, we've got a submission for the Gunick Report from Kyle. Ooh. Not Ooh. Lyle, Kyle. Adam Green. Oh, yeah. Adam Green. That'd, probably, that'd be a good one. That's, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That one's, oh, he's a really, really obvious one, too. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Kyle. That's fantastic. We're going to save that for, for a future one. There is, there, <laughs> uh, there is no greater, should I say it? Yeah, I'll say it. There is no greater uh, champion of the cause of the tiny hats than Adam Green. No one in the world will argue for his, uh, no, no one in the world will argue for the, the predominance and power and majesty of the tiny hats like Adam Green will. Actually, he's someone that in this thread here, we're going to read about, about H, uh, zero HP Lovecraft. He's, we're going to, we're going to touch back on him uh, later on. Cause this is, uh, this is interesting. Uh, it's actually funny. There's something I just realized that you've got um, Goonics targeting Goonics. Cause this is absolutely, Adam Green would actually be the, absolutely be the type of person that, that zero HP is talking about in this thread. Um all right, so we're going to get into this, and then we're going to we're going to uh, get to the point at the bottom here where we explain to you why uh, this is gunicry, even though it sounds really really good, and there's actually a lot that we can learn from this, um, and we can use elsewhere. At the heart of it is gunicry, and uh, and then for the for the title here, waiting for Red Caesar is gunic cope. Uh, you're going to see why that is, and we're going to tell you what you should be doing instead of just waiting for Red Caesar, waiting for the Deus Ex Machina. Um, yeah, Gunic on Gunic violence. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Just looking at some of these comments. Okay. So reading from for the for the people on on audio, uh, we do those have the podcast up again. So if you're watching this on YouTube and you haven't looked us up and, and subscribed to us on the on the podcatchers, go do that, and you can get the audio version of this. Um, so we're reading along from this tweet from Zero HP Lovecraft. He says, "Used to be." There were hardly any vegans at all, but it was popular for libs, especially to be vegetarian. You can be healthy on a vegetarian diet that includes lots of eggs and dairy. But this type of veganism was an unstable shelling point. Veganism has almost totally supplanted it, in part because it's easier for restaurants and food manufacturers to support both groups by catering to the more extreme diet, but more because the extremism itself is attractive. This is a really interesting observation. The just this right here from, from the jump, he could have left it at this. And this would be a really interesting observation. Um, the extremism itself is what motivates people in, in, in the case, like, like veganism, veganism is like the purity form or the more pure form of vegetarianism. And that purity drives the extremism. Cause you have this, the, the purity spiraling thing that happens. He's pointing it out here in veganism and vegetarianism, but he's going to take it elsewhere in a little bit. From a signaling perspective, the vegans can stand to the left of the vegetarians and crow about how much holier they are. 
The moral positioning of the two groups causes most of vegetarians to collapse into vegans. There is a holiness gradient from omnivory to pescatarian to vegetarian to vegan. Once you start falling down a holiness gradient, you tend to land at the bottom. This is this is brilliant uh, writing. This is absolutely fantastic writing. Uh, using that visual, the visual of a holiest gradient and falling down into that holiest holiness gradient and the tendency that once you start falling, the tendency is to go all the way to the bottom. This, this is a really visual uh, way of writing that I think really makes it strike home. I wonder if he's a shape rotator. That's a good question. Last night in the voice chat in the discord, um, we, we wound up, we finished doing the show yesterday and hopped into the discord and wound up going for, I don't know, like five hours. I fell asleep. I fell asleep in the middle of the chat and woke up in the morning with headphones in and no idea what was going on. Um, <laughs> so it was fun. But one of the things we were talking about is shape rotating. And we were comparing the way I want to say it was, it was either. I don't want to dox people. Um, one of one of the friends in there, we were, we were comparing the way that we we go about it, and one of them was saying uh, that the 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 way he when he thinks of an apple, he just immediately thinks of like the crunchiness, the sound, the juice, the like the experience of an apple. And for me, what I found is that if I'm sitting here visualizing an apple, it's really hard. It, like I can pull up an uh, just like an abstract apple and sort of look at it, but if I imagine myself like walking up to the dining room table and picking up an apple off the table, then I can see it perfectly. I can see the perfect image of it in my head. I can turn it around, look at the colors, the weight. I can see the things on it and everything, but it has to be grounded in like a specific experience versus just kind of abstractly holding it there. What about you? Um, I'm not a shape rotator. You're not I can, like I can, I can, I can conjure up kind of a an imprint of of an apple, but I can't like spin it around and look at it. I can't do that. Oh, black pilled once again. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> word fell. Yeah. All right. Anyways, back to this. Um, the friction that stops you from falling to the bottom. That's a, again, it's very visual. It's a very tangible analogy. You have this, this holiness gradient that you're falling down and then there's friction. So you've got this thing you're rubbing against that's, that's, that's as you're getting closer. The friction that stops you from falling to the bottom is that signaling holiness becomes more expensive the deeper you get. Vegans and vegetarians get around this by cheating when no one is looking, just like everyone else. A similar thing happens when people get into extremist online politics, extremist in quotes, because we're talking about mostly normal, boring people who have fallen into a different sort of signaling pit. So signaling pit, this is another like neologism that, that I mean, it's not technically a neologism, it's a term, but signaling pit, this is something that could be really useful. This is like a, um, it's a, it's a particular mouth sound that captures a mind picture that's really useful to think about as we, we're moving through different issues. One of the most common holiness gradients, which tends to drive people insane, is now this one. I'm pretty sure if I say this phrase, that it's gonna it's gonna get something going. So I don't think I'm gonna say that phrase, but it's the uh, um, Kazarian oh, question. Yeah, the Kazarian question. A person discovers disproportionate representation of Jews in elite positions in society, sees the classic my fellow whites type of obvious ethnic hatred that many Jews level at Gentiles, and then finds himself rolling down a holiness gradient where everyone is trying to be more anti-Semitic than everyone else. 
The bottom is approximately the position that the Jews, quote unquote, are the ultimate fundamental metaphysical font of all evil and badness in the universe. This is a this is an absurd thing to believe, of, of course, but there's not really a stable shelling point between vegetarian anti-Semitism versus vegan anti-Semitism. Because when you become fixated on purity, all calls for moderation are, rightly in a way, felt as a tax. That's so, Adam Green. Yes. This this is Adam <clears throat> Green. This is this is the the um like the, <laughs> ironic. This is the font of all black pills. Is it comes from the people who who talk and think this way. For some people, it's it's the Jews. For some people, it's the Illuminati. For some people, it's the state. Usually, For some uh, people usually these are different ways of talking about the same group. Yes, There's a lot of overlap. Yeah. Right, which is which is then what makes the group he's talking about here specifically get even more like like wrapped around the axle. It's all the same group. Ah! You guys are all talking about the same people. The problem is he he's going to he's I think he just kind of You're doing that group this. a favor really when yes. you hold that position. You're kind of doing their marketing for them. Right. Like if you paint them as being like all powerful and all seeing or just even more powerful than they actually are they can leverage that perception against you. So you're kind of in a way making them more powerful than they are. Right. Right. You, the thing that, that, that Adam green does, like if you watched uh, uh, one of his debates on like the crucible or something like that, you'll notice the way that every single one of these debates goes is he says that Christians are crypto Jews and then cites a whole bunch of Jewish texts two Christians who are saying, we don't believe that. That's silly. That's absurd. And he's like, no, 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 no. This is what the Jews said. You have to believe this. He is the one who's arguing for the Jewish perspective. His entire ethos is arguing for the Jewish perspective and trying to get everybody else to believe the Jewish perspective because he thinks the people who hold the Jewish perspective are a threat, which is preposterous. If your operating premise is people who hold the Jewish perspective are a threat to life and civilization, then probably like it's probably not the case that the best practice for that is going to be go around and try and get a whole bunch of people to believe the Jewish perspective. This is the way human brains work. That is if your, your, if your thing is, is believe the Jewish perspective is wrong and I want everyone else to like to believe that it's wrong, trying to convince them that it's true isn't going to help them convince them that it's wrong. It's silliness. Like you just said, yeah, it's the height of Gunakri. Uh, we got a, what is this? Oh, a super chat from... Super chats. Woohoo! Two-bit podcast, $5 Australian. Says, for the cause. Thank you, sir. Thank we're going to be we're gonna be quoting you here in a few minutes. Um, we're going to be using one of your, your special terms that I meant to mention on the show last night and I forgot to. Um, I do want to say for the people who've watched the last few streams you put out, I realized that... Um, so there's a thing when you're setting up a stream and asks you what sort of uh, 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 ad distribution you want on the show. And it, it just gives you three options. You can do conservative, balanced, or aggressive. So I had it set on conservative, which is the fewest ads, because I don't want you guys having an ad popping up in the middle of the show while you're, while you're watching. Um, but then people were still complaining about ads popping up. And I'm like, well, like, how do I turn it off? And I realized that you have to go to set them manually 
there's like a setting where you can put the ads in manually and then just not put any ads in, which I'm already not putting ads in. So I just set it to manual. So apologies to those of you who, who uh, were annoyed by the ads popping up. Um, but if you do want to support the show in spite of, of uh, not having ads on it, then you can give us a super chat because we are uh, uh, monetized monetization eligible. Um, oh, another super chat, random username, five us dollars. So five real dollars. Um, he says what Jason said. Thank you, sir. Uh, I can't help but think about how I'm, how in World War One the Jays convinced the powers that be that they could make a difference, and they did just because people believed them. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the old trick, and this is part of what makes Gunakri so insidious. Is why why we're highlighting it, why we're drawing it out. So let's continue with this. So. Uh, calls for moderation are rightly in a way felt as attacks. People will respond to this post and tell me that I'm somehow running cover for Zionists. And they'll do this because they're behaving according to the exact dynamic above. A key point of failure is to over abstract from obvious, but forbidden truths, such as Jews tend to practice ethnic nepotism into imagining a monolithic hive-like entity called the Jews, which is quasi-omnipotent and which always acts in its own interest across centuries and so on. It's in this way, this is me talking now, it's in this way that the people who hate these, these what they perceive as entities the most are the ones who are actually reifying them. They're actually, they're giving them like divine status. If you've ever tried to argue with someone who is uh, convinced that the Illuminati is going to destroy us or that, you know, the Jews are, are, are um, going to be the end of us all or any of these things. It's, it's not that any of those positions is per se wrong. It's that even if that was the case, the last thing that you would want to do is turn your enemy into an, a completely insurmountable obstacle. If, you, if you're saying that these people are so powerful, so long-reaching, so uh, uh, like have been planning this and bringing this into fulfillment for generations upon generations upon generations, and all you do is talk about how incredibly capable and powerful they are, then you're just instantiating their power in the world. Like you an are extra 20, indistinguishable uh, from one of their minions. An extra 20 points of IQ, I don't think equips somebody or a group of people to be able to like plan out long cons over the course of millennia. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of this, what that misses when you when you turn this into a um this has to be coordinated, therefore, this is an explicit conspiracy theory that's been cooked up blow by blow in some deep, dark secret lab. Like there's elements of, the, of that. There's definitely elements of that. But simply having that element isn't enough for that to be the element. There's also a, a lot of cases, and the, predominantly the case, where you get the appearance of a coordinated conspiracy simply because of a network of incentives, where you have a whole bunch of people whose incentives happen to align in such a way that they act as a conspiracy, even if it's not an overt conspiracy. And Talking about everything as if, as if it has to be like a explicit conspiracy handed down by aliens 
that has persisted throughout, like through, you know, there's like uh, constant contact with the demon realms to summon them and to get take instructions from them. Yes, there are people who do that. That's also not the reason why these sorts of things persist. They also persist because the way they grow in kind of like a virus fashion or a parasitic fashion, they attach themselves onto systems and institutions and motivate the people within those systems and institutions to act in such a way that will further the virus. And this sort of thing doesn't have to be conscious on the, on the part of the people who are actually doing it. Each of them is just playing a role within a larger body. And you miss that reality if you treat this whole thing as if it's just an explicit conspiracy that's been cooked up and planned for generations and generations. Even if it was an explicit conspiracy that had been cooked up over generations and generations, I would say pragmatically, from a strategic perspective, you wouldn't want to talk about it that way. Because, again, if you look at it as just that, you miss this other dynamic, which is very real, of the way that conspiracies develop organically while the conspirators don't even realize they're operating as part of a conspiracy. Do you know who this guy is? Which guy? Slowboy. Slowboy says, did you listen to Keith Woods talk with Duvid? <laughs> Duvid straight up said, Juice are, said the Jews are both God individually and the Messiah as a group. Is this another oh. eunuch? Um, I don't know if, if Keith, I don't know, I, I don't think Keith Woods would be if that's no, not, what you're asking not, about. No, not Keith Woods. I'm talking about this Duvid guy. I don't know who that is. Ah, uh, if I would say saying something that much so that like that, explicit, that might exempt. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that goes beyond the crypto lib. That's like, that's <laughs> my, my, the way I see this is essentially that liberalism is like crypto Talmudism. So being a crypto lib is like a double crypto Talmudist. So like this guy just sounds like a straight up Talmudist to me. Uh, but maybe there's some context there. I'd be interested to see that. Duvid used to go on with Adam Green all the time. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. So he's, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. So he is a, what? Okay. He's a he's, Talmudist rabbi. Is he is he a Jew or is he not? A, is he because if he's going on on Adam Green, is he does he share Adam Green's perspective? Interesting. <laughs> Double crypto Talmudist. Yeah, man. <laughs> a rabbi. So is he like a rabbi who <laughs> is he is a Jew? So Things he's a getting rabbi. Confusing. He's a rabbi who is endorsing Adam Green's perspective, or is he like doing outreach to Adam Green? Like he thinks maybe if I go find the biggest anti-Semite in the world and I like uh, entertain discussion with him, I can bring him around. I mean, you wouldn't have to move Adam very far to bring him around. Okay. He's not that he just, far from it. He just likes to do Jew apologia on dissident right-wing channels. That's what really weird. What a fascinating person. I... I wonder if this is. I wonder if it's real or if it's like. Imagine, a, <laughs> imagine telling Adam Green that you're you're a god, you know, like, yeah. and your people are the Messiah. Yeah. I feel like this has to be like a really long con LARP. Like, 
like it's a it's a not a LARP necessarily, but like a like it's a guy doing it ironically. Like he's just he's he's embedding himself in this character <laughs> specifically well, for the purpose of lampooning it. It's probably my favorite Jew. Just a little bit I've heard of him. <laughs> yeah, he's like a Jew zoomer, a Jew zoomer, Jew zoomer. Uh, okay. Um, I'm going to read this again. So a key point of failure is to over-abstract from obvious but forbidden truths, such as Jews tend to practice ethnic nepotism, into imagining a monolithic hive-like entity called the Jews, which is quasi-omnipotent and which always acts in its own interest across centuries and so on. People will say to me, how is hating the Jews different from hating the blacks? That is, we can agree that both have racial tendencies which are on net deleterious to Western Civ. And we do agree about that. The difference is that no one thinks there is such a thing as the blacks. There are merely blacks acting out their individual black lives, some of which ostensibly matter. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's actually good to treat both blacks and Jews like individuals. This is, so this is him, this is him like stating this. Um, uh, it's actually, I don't know. He kind of gives himself, uh, spelling actually that way. At least uh -huh. kind of giving himself an out. Yeah. This, I think this is one of those instances where it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, what would it be? I'm going to ironically, unironically hold a position so that it kind of becomes like a Mott and Bailey thing where you, you get so embedded in Zoomer irony that you start figuring out a way to smuggle in your actual positions that you hold that you think are going to be unpopular. You sort of smuggle them in under this banner of irony and you test them out. You sort of test the waters with it uh -huh. and see how do people react and respond to it. You kind of read there. Are they, are they actually going, do I think they'll, they'll go for this if I actually say, well, no, actually, unironically, I think this is true. That's how this strikes me. This strikes me that he wants to say we need to treat blacks and Jews like individuals, but I don't want to come out and seem like I'm endorsing individualism. So I have to establish my my anti-individualism cred first, and then I can then I can bring it in in this ironic, unironic way. He says it's actually good to treat both blacks and Jews like individuals to realize that tendencies are not certainties and so on. But here we run into the objection from the other side which is that treating people as individuals is supposed to entail not being racist. This too is a holiness gradient at the top of the hill. So he's saying on one side, you have the Adam Greens of the world who have completely spun off into derangement over <laughs> imagining their, their enemies as uh, God. And on the other side, you have, well, we have to be able to treat them as, as individuals, but on the other side, you have, um, the people who say treating them as individuals means being anti-racist. And that's a different hol holiness spiral altogether. So it's a this really too is a brilliant analysis. It is, yeah. He's, he's identifying this phenomenon really coherently, really incisively. So uh, the whole uh, not being racist thing, he said this too is a holiness gradient. At the top of the hill is people have idiosyncratic characteristics. And at the bottom of the hill is there are no differences between groups of people with shared genetics. You start at the top of the hill and you roll on down and you end up in the world we are in, where differences in group outcomes are treated as indisputable evidence of human bias. People who are susceptible to veganism, the Kazarian question, and anti-racism are all failing in exactly the same way, just in different directions. This is, this is fantastic. This is brilliant.
He's make this point. He's he's making this point perfectly. But the answer isn't centrism. That's just a fourth holiness gradient, as repulsive as the other three. The centrist holiness gradient is where everyone is trying to outdo each other and being more centrist than the other one, which is basically boomerism. Yep. I think boomerism is the holiness gradient where centrism is as is the the uh, mediating factor to the bottom. And this is another data point in my theory that libertarians are spiritually boomer with the neither left nor right thing. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. I don't know. Have you mentioned that one to me? I don't know if I've heard that one. That's good. Oh, well, you're getting it live people. You're getting it live. The great ideas that Matt's going to steal. Yeah. See, now you know what it's like to be friends with Cooper. It's really, it benefits you a lot because you just get all of his ideas and you can steal them. And and then people say, oh, wow, that's a great idea. And you say, yeah, yeah, I know, isn't it? It's just amazing. Yeah, and I don't really care, so go for it. <laughs> yeah, nothing means anything, right? So here's here's where we, we said that the the like the like 99.5% of this is, is just absolutely bang on. Some of the most profound, insightful, cogent insight on a topic like this that very few people are capable of making. He is zero HP is, is, is uh, like a 99th percentile thinker on the internet. Very few people can, can both think this um, with this much agility and be able to produce it coherently and in a, like not just make it coherent, but make it really compelling. He is a fantastic gift. That's what makes him dangerous. Because this last paragraph here is the dog shit and the brownie. So he's laid out this problem that you have a holiness gradient in one direction. You've got a holiness gradient in another direction. And you're stuck here in the middle, but you can't even ad adopt the middle as your ground. So what does he provide as an answer? Really, there is no answer. Except that sometimes out of the mass of people who are confused and stupid and small, a man will arise who is strong and clever and charismatic, who can thread the needle of all these traps with the mind, and such a man can briefly bring sanity to the insane world. That's the longhouse, guys. That's it right there. That's the longhouse. There's no answer. There's nothing you can do except sit around and wait for dad to come home. That this this is what supposedly qualifies as like some sort of intellectual powerhouse thought leader. If we could back up just here real quick, Xavier asked earlier on, who is Red Caesar? I forget that Xavier's rather new to these circles. So oh yeah, we should give a, a little brief explainer. Yeah, I don't remember where the term Red Caesar first came from. It might have been Michael Anton. He's probably mm -hmm. the first person I heard talking about it. But essentially, it's the idea that uh, it's, it comes out of the. This is this is my experience of it. There's probably history of this that I'm not associated with, but I'll just describe it from my perspective. That it comes out of the basically the people who are are. Um, they look to Rome as an inspiring example, and they want to see a rise of a powerful um, authoritarian leader. And so then there's debates about, are you, is, there, is, is this powerful authoritarian leader that rises up again, that seems to, to rise periodically throughout history, this great man, is he going to be Red Caesar? So is he going to come out of the ranks of 
the the right wing and be a right wing powerful authoritarian leader or is he going to be a blue caesar is he going to come out of the right or a purple caesar is he going to be a combination of the two um if you had if you forced me to bet on one of them i'd probably say purple Mm -hmm. um but but yeah so that's that's essentially it and this this really gets at the problem this the red caesar concept really strikes at the problem that we're identifying here the i think it's mold bug who said purple caesar first okay yeah um kyle says i have to admit i'm slightly sympathetic to the idea of red caesar depends on the day yeah i think a red caesar would be great um the he wants a purple caesar yeah yeah i've heard him talk about that Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's also kind of a lib, so I don't, you know, I don't know how. Yeah. We we talked about Yarvin as a potential uh, uh, Gunic example. The problem with him is that he's he's too transparent with his libness. Um, because again, you have to have that that crypto lib uh thing going on. Um. So uh, there we go. There's Jason. I always know I can count on Jason for a banger. He says all Caesars are purple by default. I think that's a very interesting question. I think we should we should talk about that in another show. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff to unpack from there. Um, the this idea of Red Caesar and the way that it's being used by Zero HP in this particular instance is an example of the Longhouse. Now, to give you to to explain this, um, the Let's talk about some of these generational archetypes. So you have the general generational archetype of the day. Seems it is very apparently apparent that it's the devouring mother. The devouring mother is the is the um I, I guess kind of like the ethos of the of the system. That's the longhouse, the gynocentrism, yeah. et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Um if we if we run with this, then what preceded the devouring mother was the tyrannical father. We're stealing Jason's ideas here, by the way. Yeah, Just yeah. Give him credit. Yes, yeah. This is from this is well the the devouring mother and the tyrannical father thing. This is like a like a Girardian. This is something a lot of the Girardians have made. Uh, Jordan Peterson has talked about this. Um, I think Rene Girard talked about it. Um, and the, there's a particular idea that Jason has has coined, which is the vengeful, vengeful son. So he's been predicting for a while now that what we're we're about to enter into the age of the vengeful son. And we'll have him on the show. I'm I'm going to invite him on the show. I'm telling you now that he's going to come on the show and accept my invitation. And we'll talk about what the vengeful son is and how what what exactly that means. Um but briefly the I want to illustrate this because I think this kind of gets at the problem um in a in a compelling way. You have the tyrannical father, which would be uh it doesn't correspond directly to generations, but it would be kind of like the greatest generation into the silent generation. They they conquered the world. They they accumulated vast resources together as a generation. They ushered in this era of American global dominance. The American empire was built on their backs. Then you get the boomer generation. The boomer generation was given this world. They were born into a world that was built and was being built on a fake system, a system that was designed to use this newfound empire to very quickly extract as much wealth out of it as possible and consolidate it into the capital city. So for the boomers, they didn't have to, this is the thing that's really going to get the boomers mad. The boomers didn't have to work hard for what they got. 
they worked hard relative to their own experience, but not relative to the experience of those who came just before them or those who came just after them. They were born into a world of safety and peace and stability and um, upward mobility and optimism and hope and idealism. The whole society was working together to raise the standards of living. Everyone is happy and, and optimistic. Everyone was jamming. This is why they could do things like go to McDonald's, get a part-time job, pay their way through college, and use their first job out of college to pay for a down payment on a house that cost like, I don't know, 40 grand or something. And they keep the house and their family for the rest of their lives, and they just boat build their wealth from there. And now it's worth 350 Right. Yeah. Minimum. It. So they, 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 they were granted this world where they were consuming all of the seed corn of the future generations. They get themselves up into these positions of power and then they start pulling up the ladder behind them. Eric Weinstein has talked about this, uh, this idea of these, these things he calls egos or the, the, the embedded growth obligations and it's when you set up a system that's kind of like a, a pyramidal system that is designed for permanent growth. There is an embedded growth obligation in it. It has to continue growing and growing and growing. But what happens when one of these egos hits its, hits its ceiling? Like as an example, you have like, like a law firm where you have the partners and the associates. And the goal for the associate is to become a partner. Well, what happens when you get too many partners? Oh, you have to go out and start your own law firm. What happens when you get too many law firms? Then this is like a lagging signal. You get all these guys who go to college. They get a law degree. They spend tons of money going to tons of debt to get their law degree. And then they show up and it's like all they have to do is um, be like a public defender or something and make 50 grand. Because there's a backlog at the top. Because one generation got to the top installed themselves at the top of these ostens these systems that are ostensibly supposed to be like perpetual, like economic perpetual motion machines. They put themselves at the top of it and then they just sit there and tread water until they die. You couldn't do this in previous generations. It just wasn't economically feasible. But the boomers were the first generation that was able to do that. So the boomers are kind of like the trust fund kid. The trust fund kid of the, the dad who built up this great empire, created a trust fund for his kid. And then the dad was off busy working and the kid came of age and he was given this trust fund instead of getting a father. He didn't grow up with a father. He grew up with a trust fund. So he gets both the, the absence of a father in his life and the psychological effects of that and the have lots of wealth just offered to you and you don't really have to do anything about it. So then the guys who come after that you get down to the Zoomers who are, <clears throat> what was the analogy we used earlier? It was kind of like, we, we use the analogy of a ship. Mm -hmm. So the boomers were kind of like the generation that, you know, there's this great, we're going off to this new land. We're going to the new world and we're going to get on this, this great big ship and we're going to sail over there. And the boomers were the generation who like traipsed their way across the gangplank and plopped themselves down and sat in their chairs as they're, Sailing, sailing out of the harbor and into the open sea. Then Gen X is like, hey, here we're here now. They're the guys who are, who are stuck back there when the ship moves away from the shore. And so they go and they chop down all the trees. 
They have to get, you know, uh, uh, they have to use their own ingenuity and creativity. This is the entrepreneurial Gen X spirit. So they make themselves little boats and, and they row themselves. They're all working together, rowing themselves out there. Maybe not working together. Maybe they each make their own little boats because they're all renegades. You know, the Gen X guys are all the, like the, the breakfast club, uh -huh. they're all the renegades. Yeah, yep. <laughs> so they each have their own little boat. And then, then you have the millennials. And I'm curious for you guys, I've got a question for you guys. What is the identity of a millennial? Because I've asked this of multiple people. Now, the only person who's given me an answer, which in a way is kind of a, a non-answer because it's kind of a non-thing, was Jason. He said the millennials are the middle managers. And I think that's that's true in a very literal sense. Because they're the ones who the boomers are stuck at the top. Gen X is backed up behind them. And so the millennials were the ones who kind of jumped into the system without recognizing that it was grinding to a halt. So they made it to the level of middle manager and they can't progress beyond that because everyone up at the top is the boomers. And so everyone's just sitting around waiting for the boomers to die off to free up all of this capital and flexibility. So I don't know exactly where the millennials fit in this ship analogy, but I know where the zoomers fit. The zoomer generation is the generation that shows up that the guys that are on the shore and they're like, all right, so there's no trees. There's no boats. There's nothing here, but we've got to get out to the ship. Oh, and there's a hurricane. Yeah. So we're swimming. And, and yeah. So everyone's just like jump in the fucking water and go, man. They're like, well, this is like the boomers are the people who are sitting on the ship and they're looking back at the zoomers and they're like, oh, you lazy pieces of shit. Why don't you just swim? Look at this. Look, look at me swim. I've got my, my, my Olympic sized pool here on the cruise ship and look at me swim in that pool. Look how great it is. I can swim. Why can't you swim? The zoomers are like, fuck you. I'm sitting here swimming in a fucking hurricane trying to get out to your damn ship because all of you guys just left us behind. The wind is blowing towards me and it's pushing you that way. <laughs> yeah, right. This is why the zoomers feel both so jaded and um, uh, cynical and nihilistic, but also why they have this kind of... Uh, uh, feisty fuck you attitude because they're they're sort of like the gen x guys and that they got left behind they feel <laughs> kind of like oh we we've got to we've got to fight for ourselves we've got to do our own thing but they're like the gen x guys used up all of the resources we don't have any resources left to use to fight for ourselves so we're just gonna have jason, to scratch and claw <clears throat> jason says the millennial stayed on shore and worked as tourist agents yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we yeah, kind of yeah. have, we talked about this earlier, like with the millennials, like the older ones kind of just glommed on to Gen X as far as like their identity and the younger ones kind of are included in the Gen Z crowd. Mm -hmm. I just like, I, I struggle to come up with like a, what is the, the, the spirit of the millennial generation? And it's like, I don't know. They're kind of boring. Yeah. It's kind of this before, before he said middle management, which I was like, oh yeah, that's actually, that works really well. Before that, I was kind of like, it's sort of like the, 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 the generation whose identity is that they don't have one. They just kind of, there's sort of caught in, I mean, I guess this, this is my generation. It's kind of like being caught in between worlds, right? There's like, 
like Gen X has a lot of personality, a lot of iconic movies. You've got a lot of, uh, um, and like the movies that characterize the generation. What's funny is that the actors that played those characters that characterize the Gen X spirit, most of those actors were boomers. So this is how you see like the spirit of the generation precedes the generation itself. And this way you have a lot of millennials who are like proto zoomers. I don't know if one of the most uh, uh, clear proto zoomers we've talked about before, uh, was Sam Hyde. Yeah. And I don't know exactly how old he is. I don't know if he would be gen X or millennial. Um, I think he's, he's millennial. He's gotta be, is he? Yeah. Cause he's basically like early eighties. So I don't know if he was somewhere between late seventies and mid eighties, somewhere in there. Um, there's no, but way. he's definitely, there's, there's no way he was born in the seventies. Okay. So there's, so he's definitely, um, Here, a proto zoomer. You've got him. Um, you've got like like Jackass. Jackass is like proto Zoomer spirit. Um, uh, what else? There's uh, like Anthony Cumia, the the like kind of a, like the shock doc uh, radio scene. A lot of that is proto Zoomer, um, where it just gets kind of absurd and everyone just kind of doing everything for the lulls and and sort of and like nihilistic. I'm uh, I'm waiting for you to to figure it out. We'll say here. Uh, Wikipedia My? doesn't have his age or his birthday. Hmm. Hmm. Our friend, I don't know if this is supposed to be MY or MY, but says that Gunix hate the like button. Yeah, apparently. We've got, uh, and apparently we've got a big audience of Gunix because we need more likes. Actually, I, I don't know how many likes we have, but I know that, uh, that Jason said 16 watching, but only eight likes. Why this? So do us a yeah, favor, okay. like this stream. Sam Hyde, uh, according to IMDb, he was born in April of 1985. Okay. So okay, yeah. Millennial. So, so he's an he's an older millennial, but he's he's a millennial. Um. So okay, where were we at? We're at okay. Uh, you've got Silent Generation, the Greatest Generation. This is the era of the the tyrannical father. And then we move into ushered in with the Boomers. The era of the devouring mother. This is the longhouse. This is where we're at right now. And where are we going, Matt? <laughs> All right. So as Jason has pointed out many times, we're beginning to enter the era of the vengeful son. The vengeful son is like the son of the dad with the the trust fund kid dad. So if you imagine the trust fund kid, he lives the life of the he lives the high life. He's, uh, you know, he's wealthy as whole. I, really, the trust fund kid analogy, it, like like Donald Trump is like an iconic boomer. It's exactly that sort of thing that he's he's the guy, you know, he, he got started with a small loan of a million dollars. That's like that is that is boomerism to a T. He happens to be somehow like the only boomer in the world who gets the Zoomers, who really understands the Zoomers and communi can communicate with them, which is why the Zoomer attitude toward Trump for the for those who love him, which is a lot of them, the Zoomer attitude toward him is like he's our boomer. Like we don't we don't deny that he's a boomer, but he's our boomer. In fact, we're gonna make memes about him being a boomer, and then he just leans into him and plays with him. And that's what makes him so that it's that that ability to not take oneself seriously while also being a serious person and doing serious things. That's something that really that's like it's like catnip to the to the Zoomer mind. Um. So 
the fourth turning calls them prophet hero nomad artist. Yeah, I think the fourth turning has a lot of a lot of applicability uh, to this. Uh, um, those archetypes fit in a lot of ways. Um, so we're entering into, according to the the fourth turning, I believe we're entering into the uh, the era of the artist, which is kind of it, you can see that you can see the the artistic spirit um, that characterizes the uh, the the uh, Zoomers Generation Z. Um, what was I saying? Uh, vengeful son. Oh yeah. So you have the trust fund kid who is the boomer. So he's rich and successful business, successful at business and everything. And his kid is just kind of abandoned. His kids left at home and his dad was, had all this money, but his dad is spending all of his money left and right doing everything. Maybe he's at work or whatever, but he's never actually interacting with the kid. And the kid actually grows up basically raised by a single mom. And so then he resents his father for not leaving an inheritance for him. His father spends all of his money and doesn't leave an inheritance for him. So now he's on the outs. He's raised by a single mom. He wishes that his dad was there, but he resents his dad for not being there. So he he's motivated by hatred for his father, but really that hatred is born out of love. It's love that's been rejected and scorned. So then... He's vengeful. He wants to, he's characterized by his resentment and envy. And he wants to destroy his father, but he wants to destroy his father by becoming his father. He wants to become his father in a way that's a middle finger to his father. This is part of the characteristic of the spirit of the vengeful son. Um. <laughs> So the Jason and his single mom is psychotic, dude. Yeah, you're this right. is so like this shit is so on point. This is like yeah. everything you're talking about. It's just like summed up my experience growing up so, <laughs> to a T. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's been like talking to Cooper for the last. I already had like a pretty good understanding of the Zoomer mind and everything, but talking to to Cooper, Cooper's experience is like is is like the archetype of the zoomer experience he's like the, the the essence of it um so that's what's really helped me to start like being able to to hear his story and hear him talk about describe his experience and be able to, it helps me like triangulate what's happening and then be able to predict where things are going so um so the longhouse then if you think about the longhouse in this sense well, okay. Where so where does the longhouse fit into uh, this tweet that we read from from Zero HP? So, the part we said that we took issue with was the last paragraph. He says, "Really, there's no answer except that sometimes, out of the mass of people who are confused and stupid and small, a man will arise who is strong and clever and charismatic, who can thread the needle of all these traps with of the mind, and such a man can briefly bring sanity to the insane world." Imagine that this is a woman replying to the son who's at home yearning to go after his father. He wants to go out and conquer and, and do man shit. And the woman is saying, no, 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 you need to stay home. You need to stay home and wait till your father gets back. Your father will take you. Don't worry. Your father will take you. You need to stay home. And the kid's sitting at home fucking seething. He's like, mm, I just want to leave. I just want to get out. That's what zero HP is functioning as here. He's functioning as the longhouse telling you 
Just wait for Red Caesar. Just wait for the strong man. Don't worry. He's he's coming. There's nothing you can do about this. There's no answer. This is a this is a, a Gordian knot, and you need to wait for Alexander. There's no there's no way you can solve this. Don't put your mind to trying to solve it. Just wait. The strong man will come eventually. And that's the lib. That's the nihilism. That's the lib. Right there. Yeah. Because this is this is this is uh, Deus ex machina cope. This is the thing that is that drives me so crazy about watching people on the. I first started seeing it within libertarian people. And then I think a lot of libertarians moved into the right wing crowds, but they took this same fucking bullshit with them. This, we can't do anything unless it's the one thing that literally magically solves everything all at once in one grand swoop. If it doesn't magically solve every single one of my pet problems instantly with a guaranteed chance of success, then it's not worth doing and it sucks and it's fake and gay and and no, I'm, I'm just going to run around and poop my pants. This principles. Bullshit. Principles, Matt. My principles. <laughs> right, yeah. Like you see this, I, I genuinely could not care less about the Argentina elections. I think the dude's entertaining. I think he's a goofball. I think he's entertaining. But I see all these people, people in my mentions are arguing about, about like whether he's good or bad. We have a guest. Look. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> He's a turkey. You're a turkey. <laughs> happy Thanksgiving from Eastwood. <laughs> you say happy Thanksgiving? Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> All right, buddy. I'll see you in a little bit, okay? Love you, dude. We're going to the armadillo park. You're going to go to the armadillo park? Wow, that sounds fun. I'll have fun, dude. I get back. Okay, I'll see you when you get back. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Handshake. Handshake. Okay, let's handshake. There you go. I love you, dude. <laughs> the Armadillo Park is one of the parks in the neighborhood that... Uh, the first time we walked down there, there was a dead armadillo on the side of the road and he was fascinated by it. He just wanted to go check it out. So then he would ask to go back to the armadillo park because he wanted to go see the armadillo again on the way. So, um, so he's going to the armadillo park. That turkey hat fits him like a crown. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's a young king. <laughs> um, okay. Where were we at before... Before we were interrupted, what were we talking about? Um, um, oh man, it's right there. Mm. Help us out, chat. Yeah, yeah, pick us up here. Um, Libertarians uh, bringing all of that shit with oh, them into the right wing. Yes, yes, okay, yeah, yeah, Deus Ex Machina. So. That's what for for those who don't know, Deus Ex Machina is like the phenomenon in a, in like a book or a movie where you have like the 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 character is at a um a point where they just they just uh, it, it seems like the odds are completely stacked against them and there's no way they could ever possibly get out and it just seems like everything is 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 dead and gone and then something magically miraculously appears that is like an act of God that could never.